Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 104 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I'm your host. I have restarted uh, this dang podcast recording 17 times or something like that. There's dogs chewing and barking and running and and everything is chaotic outside and my brain feels a little bit chaotic too. So I'm just going to record this and you get what you get. Life is all around us. It's around you right now. It's definitely around me. So um, welcome. Pull up a chair. Let's talk about writing. Today I am talking to the wonderful and charming Kilby Blades, who is the multi-award winning author of Smart Contemporary Romantic Fiction. She also came out with a book that y'all might be interested in called Marketing Steamy Romance. And uh, we talk about all things writing, including romance. I know you're going to enjoy the interview. Uh, before we get into that, a little bit of catch up around here. I am home from the writer's retreat at the Pigeon Point Lighthouse, which is just south of Half Moon Bay by about 20 minutes. So it's about 70 minutes away from where I live. So pretty darn close. And it is gorgeous. If you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you've seen the lighthouse photos. What it is, is it's a hostel on the, in the middle of nowhere on a cliff. It has the lighthouse, the old um, keeper's house, which is, you can't go in them. They're too dangerous. They're always working on refurbishing them. Um, it, there's a town called Pescadero about 10 minutes down the road, and you can get a good meal there at Dewart's Tavern and get some alalaberry pie to go with it. Um, but other than that, there's nothing around for miles and miles and miles and miles. If you go right out the door of the lighthouse in these, you know, from the houses that they have there, that is part of the hostel, uh, you end up at the beach. If you go left, you end up at the beach. Basically, you're just surrounded by water and pelicans and the spray and the noise. The surf is never out of your ears. And because I'm such a city girl, it took me a day or two to for my brain to rewire and say, oh, I'm listening to waves and not the roar of traffic, which is actually almost indistinguishable um, in the human brain. They've done studies on it, interestingly enough. And when subjects are listening to this particular sound and they're told that it's traffic, they've monitored their uh, physiological responses. When they are then told that it's the ocean, their blood pressure drops, their heart rate goes down, um, and it's the same exact noise. But knowing that it's the ocean makes it special. And special it was. It was really a wonderful time. There were 12 women. Um, I and Toby Neal co-taught. Uh, Toby basically just came along. She wasn't paid. Uh, we were testing it out to see if we could co-teach together. And we really can. We really are um, simpatico in a lot of teaching methods. Uh, she utilizes meditation and creative visualization and affirmations and hypnosis techniques uh, to really bust the problems that we have as writers, um, these stories that we tell ourselves. So in the mornings, we would do our affirmation work, our writing um, with some prompts. Uh, we wrote together in this big room that was super, super ugly and really, really smelly when we got there. It just reeked of weed. And uh, <laughs> with some with some careful writing and 
bringing our all into that space. By the time we left, I was really sad to fold up the plastic tables and put them away to become our space. And uh, everything was fantastic. Um, I will say that 12 women with two bathrooms and everybody needing to shower and everything, that's, that's a, that was a bit rough. You know, this was the budget version of a retreat. This was the glamping almost, except with a roof and bunk beds. Um, next time I think I'd want some more bathrooms, but otherwise like the ability to write together all day, um, to eat and drink and to walk out whenever you wanted. If you needed to clear your head, you walked out and suddenly you were on the ocean. It's just amazing. I really can't get over it. And I think that, uh, I hope that every single person came al- came away with something revelatory. And I know that um, even I did, even Toby did. We learned things from this retreat um, that we weren't expecting to learn. I came away with three things. Uh, I came away with the knowledge, the the gut knowledge, which you guys may have heard me um, building up to over the course of the last year or so. Uh, I think that romance and I are done, at least for a while. I need to take a break. I need to find that. I need to find the romance in romance. <laughs> I need to feel about it the way that my dog Dozy and the rescue dog, foster dog, um, Molly feel about each other. They're constantly wrestling. They have so much fun. And I'm going to have to pause this uh, recording yet again. <laughs> So that was revelation number one. Um, revelation number two, and this came to me straight from a retreatant named Sophie, who was just really wise that weekend. She's going to be teaching those someday, I have a feeling. Um, I said for the umpteenth time, you've heard me say it. I said it a couple times in class. Not too much, but it came up. Um, I said, I hate first drafts. And Sophie called me on it. She's like, I really think that you need to change your language around the way you say this, uh, because she said, I've heard you say this time and time again. And, uh, she said that it's also her problem. So she's been reframing her language around it. And so over the week, the, the rest of the weekend, we were almost done then, but the, for the rest of the weekend, I really embraced the idea that I love first drafts, that they bring me excitement, that they bring me fun and joy. It really went along with some of the affirmations that Toby gave us. And I have been thinking about it and working with it, um, you know, for the last four days now. And you guys, right now I'm loving this first draft. Like, actually loving it. I'm halfway done with the, the, this, this right now, I'm calling it my last romance. Who knows? I am fickle. You know that in 12 months, I might be saying, I love romance and I'm back to it. Um, but right now I think I need a break. So I'm finishing up the series. Finally, it feels so good to be working on it because I've been putting this off for more than a year now. You guys have heard me grumble about this last uh, Ballard Brothers third in a series uh, romance. And I'm just writing it every day I get up. And lately, I've just been so excited to write it. It's it's coming out of my fingers easily. And it's not good yet. It's a, it's a crappy first draft. That's what I write. Uh, but it's definitely up there in caliber with the rest of my work. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's just a revelation. So just changing the way I think about it, telling myself, really lying to myself uh, that I love first drafts, but affirming that and continuing to think it and hold it in my head that it's just play, that when I get there to the page, that it's fun. Um, 
it's such a simple shift and I, and for some reason right now it's working and I don't know if it's the affirmations or not. I kind of think it is because I've changed nothing else. So that has been marvelous. Um, my third revelation again is that the, and I've had this before and I just need to remember it. The more time I get for meditation and really consciously being mindful and in the now and not in my worried head about what's coming next, um, the healthier I feel. I have felt really, really grounded and centered this week. Um, I just hit seven months sober today. Today's my seven months sober birthday. And, um, and you know, the road to sobriety for me has been, you know, full of ups and downs. Uh, but right now what it looks like is a little bit of calm and a little bit of serenity and a little, a lot of feeling like I'm in exactly the right place. And I'm not doing anything wrong and I am nothing to be ashamed of because I manufacture shame like some people manufacture. I have no idea. Titanium rods in factories. I don't, I don't even know where those are manufactured, but I can manufacture some shame just out of thin air. You know, uh, somebody walks by the house and I feel shame that I didn't engage with them. You know, it's dumb shame. It's, 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 it's not smart shame. And that's kind of all kind of melted away. And I'm enjoying sitting in this seat and talking to you and feeling comfortable with where I am. Um, so that has been really enjoyable and it could all be coming out of the fact that I just got done with a retreat and I'm still carrying with me some of that afterglow. Um, but it felt like this before I went too that everything was just going to be okay. Even when it's not okay. It's going to be okay. Uh, so that feels wonderful. And I just wanted to share that with you. So yes, the um, romance continues apace about halfway through. Don't know what's really going to happen. I've veered completely from the plot that Jay and I um, cooked up because apparently I'm not that much of a plotter. I'd love to be one more, but um, veered from the rails as I usually do. I will reverse engineer the plot later when I'm doing the revision and it'll be fine. Uh, and in case I, I'm sure I mentioned, but I can't remember if I did or not. So I want to say it one more time. The show that I co-host with Jay Thorne on writing and living the writer's life, um, has been renamed. It used to be the pedal to the metal. Now, <laughs> no one knew what that was. <laughs> was it a show about flowers or uh, heavy metal music? No one knew, um, has been renamed. We are now the writer's well, and we talk about living a healthy, creative writing life, uh, the writer's well. And I tell you what, search engine optimization, our listeners, listenership has just started skyrocketing uh, because finally somebody knows what we're talking about. So if you're not listening to that show, we have a really, really good time over there. Um, he's funny. I'm funny when I'm with him. And we really talk very genuinely and openly. Sometimes it can be a little bit polarizing, which is what we talked about on the last show. But I think it comes down to the fact that when you are genuine, truly genuine, you might be polarizing and that is completely okay. And speaking of retreats, um, next year I only have two planned right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to add any more to that. Uh, they are wonderful and they give me life and spark and, um, juice, but they're also pretty exhausting to, um, plan and take care of. So right now the uh, retreat in Venice in April, it's full. If you'd like to be on the waiting list for that, email me at rachel at rachelheron.com. And um, the only other retreat that I think I'm doing right now, unless I add one, uh, we are doing a, Jay and I are doing a 
retreat in Cleveland, September 28th and 29th. It is more than a year away, which gives you time to get your ducks in a row. And we have a installment payment plan, but basically the whole weekend is a weekend wellness retreat around writing. Um, it's going to be me and Jay and some other experts. So, uh, that is at thewriterswell.org slash retreat, thewriterswell.org slash retreat. If you want to hold your space, go over there. Um, and in other business stuff, just a couple of shout outs to new patrons. Um, thank you so much to Shelly Britton, Kristen Fisher, Trina S. Pyron, Martha Neely. Thank you to Donna Kirshner and Ray Janikowski who upped their levels, which always makes me feel like I'm doing something right if somebody says, yeah, I want to want to give you some more. It's like a bonus tip. Um, and Meredith Hartwell came in at the monthly coaching level. So we're having conversations together. Thank you all. Um, thank you to all current patrons and past ones. If you can't afford to support me now, I completely understand. People come in and out. That's no problem. Patreon.com slash Rachel is where that to be found. And now let's jump into the interview with Kilby. I know you're going to enjoy it. Please take some time this week and get some writing done. I was talking to a friend of mine and she was lamenting that she never writes and it's the center of her heart and, uh, but she never writes. And I challenged her to write this week two times for 10 minutes. If she gets seven words, that's fine. Just sit down for 10 minutes and write. She'll get more than 10 words. Uh, 10 minutes twice this week. If you are the person who is just completely stuck and hasn't written in a few weeks or months or years, try it and let me know how you did. Okay. Um, enjoy the interview and we will talk soon. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours, which is, by the way, totally doable when I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing, and of revision, and of story structure, and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. All right. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Kilby Blades. Hello, Kilby. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. Let me give you a little quick introduction uh, for people who might not know you yet. Uh, Kilby Blades is a multi-award winning author of smart contemporary romantic fiction, as well as the author of Marketing Steamy Romance, a specialized guide designed to help writers of erotic romance to transcend restrictive policies pertaining to explicit content. Amen. A uh, digital marketer by day, by night, she writes dynamic characters out of her tantalizingly complex predicaments. Uh, out of, not out of her predicaments, but I'm sure you do make them up. Um, when she's not writing, Kilby goes to movie matinees alone where she eats chocolate pocky and buttered popcorn together. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, down with wine. <laughs> and yes, and usually smuggles in not a little bit of red wine. She's a mother, a social justice fighter, and above all else, a glutton for a good story. Welcome. Thank you so much. We are friends in real life. We are we go to the same RWA chapter, San Francisco area, which everybody should come to if you're in the neighborhood. Um and I have wanted you on the show for a while, but when I saw Marketing Steamy Romance, I knew that you had to come on the show. You're you literally wrote a book to market, I feel like. Like people need this kind of advice on writing erotic content. And I know this wasn't on my list of questions, but like how did you come to write that book? 
Okay, so when I first started uh, publishing, actually the whole reason why I decided not to go with traditional publishing is because I'm a marketer by profession. And I thought, why would I leave all that money on the table giving it to publishers if I know how to market my books myself? Yeah. Uh, so I figured, you know, I'll indie publish some titles and I know exactly how to use Amazon ads. I've done it for clients. I, I've been using Facebook for years and years. And I thought, I am going to crush this. Um, and of course I, I promptly did not crush it because, um, all of my covers got rejected by Amazon. They got rejected by Facebook. Oh. There was nothing that I could do about it. And, you know, I made some, I made oh, some, man. probably should have classified my, my books as contemporary romance because, you know, they're not steamier than most contemporary romance, but, um, you know, I categorize them as erotica, which put me in, you know, always and forever Amazon jail. And then between that and my covers, I just, I couldn't get any traditional ads approved. And that's how a lot of authors are selling their books. And it's a tool that I don't have to use for the, the steamy books that I've written. So I found that I had to go learn a completely different set of marketing skills in order to, to market the steamier books. That's amazing. I have a, I have a series of steamy books out, which I will never tell the name, that, that pen name, but I've been in the dungeon forever, forever. I, I never sell that book. So I cannot and wait to read your book. You can't get out of the dungeon. And yep. also that, you know, the enforcement is very arbitrary. Yes. So even if, you know, some, some steamy books get through, their covers get through and others don't, but either way, the terms of service say that they can veto anything they want to. So you really have no recourse and you have to have a backup plan. Awesome. Thank you for writing it. And I'm so excited to tell listeners about that. But let's talk about process because that's what we do on the show. What right. is, so you're extremely busy. What is your writing process? When do you get this done and how? So I used to, I used to consistently be a first thing in the morning, um, last thing before I go to bed writer. And then I had kids and for probably about five years straight, I was so tired in the mornings that I like nothing could get me out of bed unless a small person was breathing on me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just coming out of that now, but, um, for a long time it was just, you know, right whenever I can get it in. And I think that was good because it actually taught me to actually write when I have time, because like you're saying, I still do have this kind of busy life. I, I consult sometimes and my schedule's very up and down. So I find that I can write when I need to. Um, but I write my best in the morning still, but mm -hmm. my habit now is to stay in bed. So I'll wake up and I'll start thinking about what my characters are going to do. And only when I know what they're going to do, do I actually get out of bed and open the computer. So as soon as I start writing, I've got something. That is ideal. Yeah. I don't know why I've never thought about doing that. That's such yeah. a good idea. I find that I find that if I open the computer and I don't, I don't know what scene I'm going to yeah. write and it leads to a lot of staring, <laughs> which leads to yeah. more staring, which leads to like obsessing over what I might write. So, um, under any circumstances, even when it's not, when I'm just waking up, I actually wait until I know exactly what scene I'm going to write before I open the computer. That is lovely. And seems like I should have thought of it before this. And I'm going to try that. This is why I have this show because I'm always looking for the magic bullet and it doesn't exist, but I'm still looking for it after all these years. And, and do you write mostly at home then, or do you go out? Uh, I've done both. I mean, at points I have had like a $20 a day Starbucks habit. And oh, when that yes. happened, I stopped writing so much at Starbucks. Though I do find that I go through periods where like, okay, I look down and I've been wearing the same bathrobe for three days and it's got like coffee stains on it and stuff like that. Then I'm like embarrassed for myself. 
So sometimes I find that I do have to just get out into the world, even though I write a whole lot less under those circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I just need to get out of the house. Awesome. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um, I think probably, you know, I write in the romance genre, so probably word count because I, I come up with these really complex plots and, uh, you know, I, like I recently had a, like 122,500 word novel that I'm trying to traditionally publish. So I like had to get it down to 90. Oh and my gosh. Literally 89,999 words. And like, you know, I'm talking to my husband. He's like, oh, just get rid of all the instances of very, to which I'm like, okay, that's not. <laughs> you don't understand this job yet. You don't understand this at all. So I always struggle. I always struggle with word count and, um, you know, not cause I, I'm a fatty writer. I'm not, it's just that I have got a lot going on and it's got to somehow like come to a reasonable size. How did that go? Removing 30,000 words. It was super painful. 40,000. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Really painful. And that was after I had read a book. Do you know that book? It's called like Oh, it's that book about writing faster. I think it's got like 2,000 in the title. It's a really uh, great 2K to 10K. It's written by my name doppelganger, Rachel Aaron. Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. So that 2K to 10K book is really, really good. That's and great. that actually helped my writing process a lot. Yeah. Um, and I wrote very quickly and I, I did get better ideas from writing that way. But then it, in some ways, it gave me more to edit down. So um, the editing was really, really, really like, you know, the book that kills you. This is the one. It was, yeah, this is the one. Oh my, do you, do you use dictation at all? Or is this just all finger typing? Um, I'm good at dictation. I find that I use dictation more to, if I have an idea that I feel like I have to get out, I'm almost talking it through aloud for myself. Mm. And the dictation software tricks me into believing I'm being productive, but it's actually pretty unusable by the time I go back and edit it. Plus, I do a lot of dictation in my car because a lot of times I have a commute and I'll, I'll just be so like anything that I come up with in my car is like completely unusable, but it does help me through that ideation process. Yeah, perfect. What is the um, what is your biggest joy in writing? Um, oh, gosh, I love I love it when I come up with a really, really great plot. And I love it when I have an epiphany around something that has to happen to my characters. So just, um, you know, I have these moments where, you know, even if I, even if I'm reading it for like the 10th time, like where I'm still laughing out loud at my own thing or, you know, that, that big 122,000, um, word book, like I still cry <laughs> oh. Single time I read the like ugly cry like need a hanky <laughs> like not pretty crying so I love I love that I'm in love enough with my stories and my characters that I am still moved by the things I've written and I love going back and reading stuff that I wrote a long time ago I don't do that I'm looking forward to someday getting into a place where I could do that but I think I'm too scared of reading my own stuff that I'll just be so critical on myself you know what how do you I handle thought- that I thought that too. Like I thought, Oh, well, I'm a much better writer. um, You know, now that I was then I sometimes read my stuff and I'm like, wow, I used to be really good. (laughs) Sometimes I say like, what, like I've lost something, like what have I lost or what was it that allowed me to write like that in the past that, 
you know, so it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it's mixed emotions, but I, you know, I've read stuff that I wrote like more than 10 years. I'm like, wow, this is good. Okay. That's fabulous. I'm going to try that. I'm going to, I'm yeah. just going to try it. I'll let you know how it goes. And if, oh. I, if I hate myself afterwards, can you share a quick craft tip of any sort with us? I'm not sure whether it's a craft tip, but I have a great author tip. Yes, please. Yes. Okay. So my secret weapon is my Kindle text to speech function. Do you use this? Function? I have never even tried it. I know it exists, oh but I don't want wow. It doesn't exist on every Kindle. It okay. does, I don't think you can use it on Paperwhite. I could be wrong. So I have a Kindle. Oh, and I have a Paperwhite. So yeah. Okay. Okay. But, so it works on Kindle Fire 8. It doesn't work on the Kindle app on iPhone. It does work on the Kindle app on Android. Okay. Play what it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you tap the screen and a play button comes up and then it plays back the book. Um, some people don't like it because it has a robotic voice. Um, I can listen to other books. Like I will turn any book into an audio book using my... Um, using the text to speech, but the real way that I use it as an author is for editing. So I'm halfway through a book. I send myself my book in Moby document to document on my Kindle. And I start listening to my book and I hear things that I would never get just from reading it. And I think the reason why is because when you read something, like I think the way your brain works, like visually it's, it's always coming through the same input. So there aren't things that you can see, but I absolutely hear yeah. problems, mistake, edits, everything on my books when I listen to them. So are you playing it and then looking at the document at the same time and kind of comparing the two? So for developmental stuff, I'll listen in the car. And that's another thing that makes it really what a great idea. Efficient. Yeah. Because, and that's another thing that helps me be able to just start writing as soon as I sit down. So like yesterday I'm 20,000 words into a new novel. So yesterday I was like, listening to it while I was running the kids to school. And by the time I sat back down at my computer, I realized, I realized some problems in, you know, probably the first 10,000 words. And as soon as I sat down, I knew what I had to do. Now, when I'm doing fine editing, I do sit down next to my computer and I just sit there and close my eyes and listen to it. And if I hear a little, oh, I wrote that word twice, I go back and edit it. Or, oh, that sentence is awkward. I go edit it in real time. But it is like my secret weapon. It saves so much time. That's insane. That is so cool. All right. I feel like I've already got amazing things from you. And I got something from you before we started. So this is already, I feel like we could just like shut it down now, but we're not going to, we're going to keep going. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to obsess about in the world of writing and why? Ooh. Oh, that's such a good question. What's my favorite <laughs> thing to obsess about? Um, I mean, definitely in, definitely in the romance genre I'm obsessed and not in a good way with insta love what's that so, insta love it's when for absolutely no reason uh characters spontaneously fall in love and I actually I do editing on the side as well so like I'll really that's my like throw the book against the wall the book can be great it can end great but if there's oh, no yeah. reason to be in love it completely drives me out of my mind. So love at first sight. No. What is the opposite of insta love? Because personally, I'm a big sucker for insta hate. Insta hate. I, I want insta hate that turns to love slowly. Yes. 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 Against. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Against everything okay. they want. Me too. Me too. I love, yeah. and in fact, uh, I write a lot of, I write a lot of enemies to lovers. And the ironic thing is that like, I was, I'm like, I'm married to somebody and it was very love at first sight. So I don't know, maybe I just don't think that that can be 
accurately conveyed. Well, and maybe you, your brain says that's not a very interesting story because yeah, maybe you I, know it happened and it happened to you. Yeah, it happened to me. Yeah, maybe I should explore that. Maybe you should because you could write from, ooh, there's a whole book. There's a whole series idea right there, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I think people, my theory, and there's no way to prove this, I think people read and write their opposite experience. Well, I, I write straight romance and I'm gay married, so that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, I think people write their opposite experience. I think people, my current theory is that people who have had complex love stories of their own really like the idealized, you know, escapist romances. And like, you know, for me, like I've been married to the same person for, you know, 15 years. So like I've got my happily ever after and I want to see like really messy love stories. I so absolutely I agree with you because I've been with my wife for 14 years and it's super simple and easy and she's not crazy. And we really, really like being around each other. And I yeah. like the complexity of these relationships I make up. Yes, yes. I think that's a that's a very very sound theory, and I love it. What is the best book that you've read recently, and why did you love it? My very favorite recent series is called uh, Can I Curse? Yes. Okay, it's called the Mindfuck series. I've heard of it, Abby. It's really really wonderful. So she has, she is she writes as a different author. So S T Abby is a. It's just like this is a dark romance. So I think she's separating her dark romance from her other much lighter contemporary romance. Okay. It's about a female serial killer. Yes. Who, who's not a serial killer. Cause she likes killing people. She was, she was done wrong by some people. And she, this is like a revenge retribution for things that happened to her in her past involving a bunch of people who did things they shouldn't have done. So she's just going to get revenge, but there are a lot of people. So it's turned into a serial killer thing. And she, um, she accidentally meets an FBI agent who happens to be the FBI agent who is in charge of finding her. Oh my God. And the FBI agent thinks that it's a male serial killer. She's covering her tracks really well. She has an accomplice who's, who's also helping, but it is this really, really amazing. And it's a whole series. It's a whole series. It's five short novels. Um, all of them are published. So you don't have to wait for anything. And beyond it being a really interesting plot bunny, this is a study in craft. I mean, it is unbelievably written. Even if there were no love story, the, the revenge plot is just amazing. And then the love story is just amazing on top of it. It was like, and it's called I the mind fuck what the mind fuck series. Ser no, just simple as that. I'm yeah, going to, I'm going to read that. I need that kind of escapism. That sounds fabulous. That's amazing. Thank you. Now tell us about you. Where can we find you? Tell us about your most recent book or work or whatever you'd like to, to tell us about. So I haven't published anything in about a year because I've decided to go traditional. So right now all of my manuscripts are kind of in process. Um, but you can find me at killbyblades.com. I've written, um, the first books that I've written are, are erotic romance. One of them is a kind of a friends to lovers sex arrangement type thing that turns into more. And the other one is this super weird book about a dad teaching his teenage son about sex. That one's called um, The Art of Worship, and it's it's just awkward and hilarious. Um, <laughs> the first one is called Snapdragon, the, uh, the Friends to Lovers Romance, and it has a sequel called Chrysalis. 
and I have a couple of other projects coming out soonish. Now, the in in the eighty nine nine ninety nine word book, um, is that also is it romance or is it um, is it a different genre that you're going to take traditional? It's that's a good question. It's women's fiction. Awesome. But it feels very romancy. So I actually I've I've realized identity wise that I'm I'm more fiction with a central romance. But there my books have really sweet happily ever after, so they feel romancy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, pushing all my favorite buttons. So excellent. Thank you so 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 much for being on the show. Thank you for being awesome. Um, yeah, this has just been delightful. Thank you. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>